Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. All right, friends. Well, you can, uh, you can turn in your Bibles to John chapter 4. We're going to be there today. Uh, so, are you all ready to go? You all ready to go? Because I don't want to go there alone today. Are you with me? Let's do this. John chapter 4. We're here. We might as well make it count, right? All right. John chapter 4. Here we go. Verse 34. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months and still the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields, for they are ripe for harvest. Does anybody feel like it's harvest season? Like two of us, right? Does anybody feel like it's harvest season? Okay, well, we'll go with that. My, my guess is that many of us don't even know much about harvest season. So before we get excited and say it's harvest season, maybe we should talk a little bit about harvest season because we like the idea of it, but I imagine there's very few of us that have actually went through a little harvest season. Are there any farmers in the room? A couple of us have been through, far, through farming harvest seasons and we get it a little bit. For the rest of us, let me talk about it just a little bit because I don't know much about it either, but I know it has specific implications. Harvest season. For a lot of us who don't know much about it, we think, oh, this is the best time of the year, right? This is the time that, you know, we get to see all the hard work pay off. This is whenever the blessing comes, the miracle comes, the fruit comes. This is, the, this is when the money comes in, right? Cha-ching, cha-ching. It's harvest season, right? This is what we think it is. This is where we kind of put our feet back and say, finally, what we've been working for all year, it's time that we get to reap what we have sown. But have you ever talked to a farmer about harvest season? <laughs> I don't know if this is really the time of year that they kick back, right? Harvest season actually is when you go into overdrive, isn't it? This is when there's no choice but to harvest or the harvest will rot. And during the harvest, you can eat really good, but you work really hard. Are you guys with me today? We're going to talk a little about harvest. We're going to talk a little bit about mission. You know, when I was a kid, I lived in Nebraska for about seven years, and uh, they were known for growing one particular food there. Anybody know what that is? Yeah, corn. Everybody knows that. I mean, the, the University of Nebraska is called the Corn Huskers, which when you think about it, isn't all that tough. <laughs> we, can all, we can all husk corn, you know what I'm saying? There's one time a year, though, that the farmers in that area, they would call people from far and wide. They'd get like high school kids, single moms, you know, whatever. Anybody that they could find that would work um, during that time who needs a job. And they would say, hey, come show up. It's harvest season because they're saying, as the saying goes, right, the corn won't pick itself. And so harvest season is one of the seasons in which it's the heaviest, hardest season, but it's also the season in which you eat really well. So I've been saying for the last few weeks that we have to be people who pray, people who are in community and who are on mission. We can't press pause on those things. We have to keep pressing in. We have to keep going and believing that God has something for this season. And so if this is harvest season, what does he have? 
Because if there's a season ever that the church needs to be the church, it's right now. If there's ever a season in which we need to wake up and smell the gospel, right, it's right now. And because the harvest is ripe. And I'm going to say that over and over again, but I think what we're going to see today is that maybe sometimes the harvest isn't exactly what we think it's supposed to look like, that the harvest might look a little different than we expected. Because right now people are hurting, people are tired, people are in need, and the good news of Jesus is really the only hope we have today. So I have to be honest about something as we get into this. I'm concerned that some of us, excuse me, as I continue to adjust my mic, it just won't quite get right. If I'm concerned that some of us have pressed pause in life, meaning we've pressed pause on prayer or community or mission, the three things we've talked about in this What Now series. Maybe one, two, or all three of those things are things that we've pressed pause on, and maybe you're thinking, well, not me, really. I'm not the one that has really pressed pause, but I know people that have, and what I would say to you right now is don't look at them. That'd be awkward. You know what I mean? If they're in, in the room. Or perhaps when I say people have pressed pause, this is more of a general understanding that right now statistics are showing that about 30% of the church that was engaged prior to the pandemic hitting has disengaged from church and spiritual practice since the pandemic started. So for many, perhaps you, pause has moved into full-blown stop mode. And you've powered down and you've come today, you're here because you've kind of thought, man, I need to re-engage to things that are important to me and I need to get moving again. And for many of us, uh, I think being here today is just an, is an, it's an, it's a reaction to understanding that maybe we've pressed pause. And so I was thinking about my iPad here that I use every week. You guys know my settings, I've set my iPad to actually never turn off. It can never go into lock mode. You know what I'm talking about? It never goes to sleep. It'll stay on as long as this thing has battery life or until I turn it off. And as long as I keep this thing charged, this bad boy will stay on. You know what I'm talking about? Like it just stays on. It'll stay on all night until it, until it dies. And there's this very specific reason for this because this iPad is not for watching Netflix on. You know what I'm talking about? This iPad is not for, you know, ordering my Postmates Chipotle. That's not what I do on this iPad. You know what I mean? This iPad has a specific purpose. It ha this iPad is for preaching. Are you with me? And so here's the thing. If I'm going to be preaching, the last thing I want to do is I never want this thing to turn off until I want it to turn off. So while I'm preaching, I don't want my iPad to turn off just because my fingers didn't touch the iPad. Because that would be awkward because then I'd be saying, hold on just a second, password one, two, three, four, right? You guys would have to wait. I want it to stay on as long as I'm doing what it's intended to do. Because So I set my iPad to never go to sleep. Because this iPad has a specific purpose. Oddly, and get this, this iPad isn't just for me, it's for you. Because here's the thing, the work that I do during the week to prepare this message, it ends up on this iPad. So all my study, all my notes, and all my jokes are organized right here. 
You know what I'm saying? And they serve a specific purpose that I would believe that whatever I prepare from God's word and that the spirit reveals to me and in me, that it's not only in my head and in my heart, it's on this iPad to be able to deliver the message, if you will, and the ministry of preaching that it would not return void, that it would actually have an impact in your life for a sustained period of time and even beyond a period of time of just a week that preaching would actually matter. And so this iPad has a purpose and I never want it to go on to sleep on accident. Are you with me? Because this iPad it has a mission and it can't go to sleep. In fact, it only rests when I tell it to rest and it rests on purpose. And then on, and on top of that, I recharge it every week so it's ready for the next mission. Are you guys following me? Are you with my craziness today? Come on, are you with me? Because we're going to talk today about mission. Everyone say mission. We're on a mission and God has a mission for you to do and he doesn't want you to go to sleep on it on accident. He doesn't want you to go to sleep on it just because you weren't paying attention to where all of a sudden you all, you all of a sudden fall into lock mode and you stop doing what God's called you to do. You and I can't go to sleep on the great commission. We can't go to sleep on loving our neighbors and just say, oh, we'll get to it eventually. We'll get back to it someday. And as a church, we can't go insular and think we can't. We, we got to think about us. And instead of looking out to the fields. So I want to talk about mission today from a perspective of the moment we are in and how at times there's an unexpected harvest that comes and we have to open our eyes to see it because we'll miss it if we aren't looking the way God wants us to look. This is why we're trying something like Cap City, by the way. We want to be sensitive to the moment. And sensitive to what God may be doing in this moment and in this time. I also want to say this about mission because a lot of times whenever churches and preachers talk about mission, it feels very heavy laden as if we aren't, if we aren't really engaged in some missional activity, then we feel like we're failing or are some sort of a bad Christian. This isn't some call for you to go and do. What this is a call for you to understand is that mission is what sets your heart right. Mission is what actually helps you see the world through the lens that God wants you to see it versus through the world, the world through the way the world wants you to see it or through a, a selfish lens. This mission is what gets my heart's right. It's what, it's what helps me understand not only the heart of God, but to understand what I'm created to be and who I'm created to be. See, mission is actually the thing that sets us in the posture in which God has intended us to be in. So mission helps me understand the world around me. And so whenever you think mission is heavy laden, I need you to understand it's not about heavy laden. Mission is about understanding who you've been created to be. So that gives me hope. Mission is the thing that gives me hope in a week like we just experienced, in which we once again are having to face the world we live in and ask ourselves why. Why does this keep happening? Why is everybody so angry and upset and hurt? Why does this have to continue to go on? Mission says I have a role to play in the kingdom of God because he's the only one that can heal this land and God uses people like you and me to do that. That's what mission tells me. So the two verses I read from John 4, they have a much larger context. Jesus said in those words, said those words about harvest in the middle of a conversation with his disciples who walked up on him when he was having a conversation with a woman at the well. 
which the woman at the well story is one of the great stories of Jesus in the New Testament. I love it. It's an absolutely phenomenal story. And in this particular story, Jesus is in full-blown working the mission mode. He is doing He was always in that mode, by the way, but this one in particular was just it was a phenomenal moment that we can learn from. Again, too big to, this story is really, really big, too big to cover in one sermon, but I'm going to start with a few parts of the story. We're going to go back to verse number four. Our screen isn't working? Okay. We don't need no screen. John 4 says this, now he had to go through Samaria. Everyone say he had to. He had to go through Samaria. Jacob's well was there, if you read down a little further. And Jesus sat down by the well. Now, just so you know, the story behind the story, I want you to know what's going on. It says that he had to go through. Now, what author John meant by this, it doesn't mean that he had to go through like he had no other options available to him. No, he actually did have other options available to him. In fact, during this time, Jews would never actually go through Samaria. They always went around Samaria. And so there was, there was this history, right? A 700-year history of where Jews and Samaritans did not get along. And so Jews would typically, that were traveling from Jerusalem to Galilee, like G- Jesus was doing in this moment, they would travel around Samaria to get to Galilee. Like that. There you go. I saw the light. <laughs> Jesus had to go through Samaria because he was on a mission. And so when he says that he had to go, it wasn't that he had to go, it was that he had to go. (laughs) Did you get that? He had to go because he had some work that he needed to finish. And a few months ago, um, I was watching a documentary called Free Solo. Anybody seen this? Two or three? It's about Alex Hanold, who's a mountain climber. Uh, to summarize real quickly for those who haven't seen this, Alex Hanold is a mountain climber who famous, is famous because he climbs without ropes. He does what's called free soloing. He just gets with him on the mountain. He doesn't need any ropes. It's quite crazy. Um, this guy doesn't climb like easy stuff. He's climbing the hardest stuff in the world, the things that are the hardest things in the world, if you were climbing with ropes, right? Well, this whole documentary is about him climbing a rock face called El Cap, which is sort of the climbing center of the universe, and this guy is determined to do this. Now, you got to think about this. He's determined to do it, but no one is forcing him to do it. No one's asking him to do it. No one's telling him that you should go and free solo El Cap. He just wants to do it. In fact, it's more than a want to. It becomes such a place that he has to do it. And it's more detrimental to him to not do it than to actually do it. Are you with me? And so for him, this is like mission-minded. And Now, you could be arguing that he's also <laughs> missing a few things in his brain. Right? But there's something about this that when the mission becomes something we have to do no matter what it costs, even if there are other roads that no one would blame you for taking, the mission calls you to take a specific course. You see, the disciples would have skirted around Samaria no problem. They did it all the time. But Jesus had to go to Samaria. He had no choice. Because he had a harvest to reap. Let's keep reading a bit. Verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. 
So I want you to notice a couple quick things. The woman immediately brings up a few barriers to their interaction even being possible. She brings up the issues of gender and race, which is quite interesting, isn't it? She says, because I'm a woman, because I'm a Samaritan, we shouldn't even be talking. But Jesus, of course, he doesn't really operate by the same set of silly human barriers and rules. He has a different mindset and he has a different set of uh, purpose in mind and he has a different mission in mind that he was about, about to do. And so he wasn't really worried about this. And he says, hey, you know, um, miss, did you know that the water that you're, about to, that you're about to get, I can actually give you water that's way more important than that. It's actually water that will never make you, that you'll never thirst again. I want to give you that water. Verse 13, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks the water will be thirsty again. Speaking about the well water. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them like a spring of water welling up to eternal life. This is the living water of Jesus, right? The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming to this water, to this well to get water. So she's not quite there yet. She's still thinking he's talking about natural water, but he's talking about a kind of water that is beyond natural. And if you know the story, they talk about a number of things. And eventually he gets to this point where he starts to tell, tell her about the life she's living. He gets straight to the heart. He talks about the husbands she's had, the relationships she's, has with, she's had with men, and is telling her these things are not going to fill your life. They're not going to be the things that really answer the needs that you have. He says, but you know what? I am. And he actually says, I am the Messiah, which she immediately is overwhelmed, not only by the fact that he knows these things about her and is showing her love, but then she's ultimately overwhelmed at the thought that this is the Messiah, the one they had been waiting on. And about that point in the story, the disciples show back up, which you know means there's a funny thing about to happen. <laughs> Because we're just like them. We don't ever have a clue what's going on. John 4, 27. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? I mean, of course they're surprised. Like, this is un unprecedented, right? What do you want? Why are you talking with her? Now, I love this little line. We're not going to preach about it, but I love it. Then, leaving her water jar. Isn't that why she came? She came with one purpose and left with another. Are you with me? She then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. So disciples have several moments like this when they aren't quite tuned in to what's really happening around them. Now, if you rewind the story a little bit, I read it a minute ago, but they had left Jesus at the well to go into town to get some food. So they go into this town nearby. They get some, I don't know, we'll just say they got some fish tacos, some lamb chops. I don't know what you eat in ancient Samaria, but that makes sense to me. So they get those things, they get full, and then they get a to-go bag for Jesus. And they bring Jesus the to-go bag. And they're like, oh, this woman's here. That's kind of weird. Rabbi eat something, which sounds kind of silly, but at the same time makes a lot of sense because this is the way all of us live because all we think about is food, <laughs> right? Anybody else, anybody else with me? You think about food way too much. You know what I'm saying? We're always thinking about food. If we're not thinking about food or we're not eating at the moment, we're talking about food. Like I'm talking with people all the time. Like it's like probably my favorite conversation is, hey, so what's the best burger in town? What's the best, uh, what's the best breakfast place in the city? 
You know what I mean? What's the best pizza in the city? It's a hideaway, halls, I don't know, maybe it's Empire. We all know the answer to that. It's Little Caesars. <laughs> Debate done. <laughs> I'm kidding. My point is we care about eating a lot. We like to eat. We like to talk about eating. We plan vacations around eating. <laughs> so in verse 31, the disciples say, Rabbi, eat something. It makes sense. But look what he said to him. But he said to them, I have food that you don't know anything about. <laughs> Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him a fish taco? <laughs> like, they're literally like, what just happened? Is he already eaten? Once again, they're totally missing what's happening. Verse 34, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. Now, this is similar to the moment that Jesus had with the woman at the well. We didn't get into it too deep, but he says to her, hey, this water that you're trying to get, I'm going to give you a different kind of water that's actually a better kind of water. And it's called living water. And here they're saying, hey, do you want this food? And he's saying, no, 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 I have a different kind of food that you don't actually know anything about yet, and it's a better kind of food. And I'm going to eat on that right now. So this interaction is really important for us to grab a hold of if we want to be a person who lives on mission. So once again, everyone say mission. We need to learn how to be fed by living and on mission in life. We need to learn how to be fed by that. This is a tremendous shift for most people because most of us have the mindset of the disciples. We're always about the next meal. We're about what the next thing is that's going to feed us. It might be, in some cases, you know, the next compliment or the next affirmation or the next thing to checked off the to-do list or the next bucket list item or the next sermon we listen to or the next podcast or the next book we read or whatever the next thing is for us that we feel like can feed us and that we can consume to feel better about life that's what our mindset is and so we are feeding on what we can consume we can't wait to eat I've wasted so many days thinking about the next meal and the disciples are like, Rabbi, eat something. And Jesus said, I don't need that kind of food right now. I have something else that I can feed on. We didn't take this road through Samaria for no reason. I didn't talk to that woman for no purpose. Back to verse 34. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest, which I think is a weird saying, but okay. It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Now, if you, if you rewind, I read it a moment ago, but in verse 30, once the woman left her bucket, she heads back to her town. And it says, it says this, Jesus says in the scripture, it says, uh, they came out of the town and made their way toward him. That's verse 30. They came out of the town and made their way toward him. So can you imagine this moment? The disciples are saying, hey, eat something. And they're heading out toward him. And Jesus is saying, I have food you know nothing about. Look, they're coming. The fields are ripe for harvest. There's a bunch of Samaritans coming towards a bunch of Jews. Are you with me? See, Jesus was about to do something in which he was going to actually 
change the thing that they thought was a problem, that they thought was a Something, here's what they would have usually done. If a group of Jews saw a group of Samaritans come at them, they would have done one of two things. They would have either ran or they would have got ready for a fight. That's called fight or flight. Anybody take psychology 101. And this is what we do in the world with our problems and with, our, with the things that we feel like are challenges or the bad things. We either fight them or we run from them. And here's Jesus saying, I'm gonna take the thing that you think is a bad thing and I'm gonna turn it into your mission. I'm going to turn it into a harvest. That was all on my iPad. <laughs> Remember the harvest season. It's not a kick back and enjoy the moment season. The harvest season is go time. It's a season of work, but the harvest season is also so joyful because not only while you work and you get to think about the seasons of sowing seeds and planting and, and, and watering the soil and taking care of it, now you actually get to taste and see what it's, what's happening. You get to see the fruit happen in the moment. So you're working hard and tasting and seeing the good work of God at hand. The harvest season is a good season, but it's not absent of a lot of work. The good kind of work. Verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony when she said, he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed for two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. So Jesus was doing the work of his father. He was on mission to bring salvation to a city, to bring healing to a city. That's why Jesus had to go to Samaria. You could say it this way, that Jesus was bringing life to a city, right? Which is something we like to say around here, right? We like to say, we need to be a church who brings life to our city. So let's think about this for just a moment. What if we could feed on doing the will of God? What if bringing life to our city was more satisfying than the next meal? What if doing... What if doing his mission was way more compelling than just receiving more from the people who are doing the work? You see, here's the thing. It's one thing to pick the corn. It's another thing to eat the corn of the person who harvests, but it's another thing to, to harvest the corn and get to eat it yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like whenever you are involved in the, in the process and you're doing more than consuming, but you're engaged in the mission. Jesus said we can feed on that work. You and I have to live and believe that the harvest is here. We must be on mission. We can't go to sleep mode due to inactivity. Our internal settings, they have to be set to never turn off. We rest at the right moments that we need rest. We recharge daily the right way we need to be recharged. But the harvest is here. So I want to close by taking us to another moment when Jesus talked about food and drink. It's in Matthew chapter 6 because, again, we, talk, we think a lot about food and drink. And this particular message or passage in John did as well. But in Matthew 6, a lot of us have heard this one. But it says, don't worry and ask yourselves. This is starting in verse 31. Don't worry and ask yourselves, will we have anything to eat? Will we have anything to drink? Will we have any clothes to wear? Only people who don't know God are always worrying about such things. Your Father in heaven knows that when, that when you need all of these. But more than anything else, put God's work first 
and do what he wants, then the other things will be yours as well. You guys have probably heard this passage. It was whenever he says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added as well. So in other words, we're about to pray. We get a little backwards in life, don't we? We think that the next meal is what we have to do. We're in survival mode. But it's actually the mission that we have to do. That's what truly will feed your life. That's the bread of life. That's the living water. Actually being on mission, like I said earlier, is the thing that that centers your heart, sets you in the right place, helps you see the world as you should see it, and it actually is the thing that brings you life. What if today you could open your eyes and see the harvest that God has right in front of you? Because sometimes, like it was in that moment with the with the disciples, the harvest doesn't look like you thought it would look. The harvest might even be, might even be a problem. It might even be a negative thing. It might even be something that you have been trying to avoid. It might be the thing that you've been running from or trying to fight, but perhaps that's the mission that God has for you. Perhaps he's saying, open your eyes and see what I'm doing. Open your eyes and see what I have for you. What if like our free solo guy, it was more detrimental to our own self to not do the mission than it is to actually do it. You see, the other thing about the harvest that I think is really important for us today, because I know we're all in a different place. We're all in a different place in life. We, we came in with all sorts of stuff that we're dealing with, and we're just trying to figure out our own life. So a message to say, a message to say, hey, go deal with the problem. I mean, it's, it's challenging, and I get it. Mission is always a little bit of a challenge because it it causes us to step outside of our own self and to say, God, I want to engage in the thing that you're doing in the kingdom because here's the thing about God's mission. If you ever wonder what God's mission is, the whole Bible, by the way, is a missionary work of God. It's it's just pointing to one thing, that God had one purpose and one mission. From beginning to end, I'm just telling you, the thread, the theme of the Bible is that God is on a mission to redeem and restore all of humanity. That's his mission. That's what he's about. And he's saying, will you join me in that work? And see, I know a lot of us, when we, we say that, that's not necessarily just a, an easy thing for us to engage in because we're dealing with our own stuff. But here's what I love about the harvest. That the harvest, even though we think about it as, oh, that's the salvation of people, the harvest isn't just about that. The harvest is for you too because you get to reap all of the things that God wants to give his people. You get to reap the things that God is trying to, to bestow upon us. And so for those who need help, he wants to give help. For those who need, who need healing, he wants to give healing. To those who need love, he wants to give love. You see, that's all part of his harvest. It's an outflow of who God is. And, it, and it's not just for those who don't know him. It's for those who do. But it's for when those who do know him join him in the harvest, they not only get to reap, right? They, don't, they, they actually get to join in the work and they get to eat really well while they do it. Are you with me? We get to taste and see that he is good while we are engaging in the work of the mission, while we are doing the thing that he's always done, which is to reach and restore and redeem all of humanity. We also get to taste and see. And so today I just know that there's people in here that need to taste and see God right now. That you need help. You need healing. You need his love. Some of you even need a salvation today.
And so I just want to give some room for God to move today. So I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads and I'm just going to kind of invite you to a couple questions. And these questions will hit different people in the room. And I would just say right now to prepare yourself that maybe God has something for you today. That God has something that he wants you to not only receive from him, but to step into today, to trust him with. So I'm just gonna invite the Holy Spirit to just start to move in this place. Father, we love you. And we ask your Holy Spirit to come. We ask your Holy Spirit to move. That Father, you would take away barriers just like you did with that woman at the well. You would take away shame or fear you would remove barriers right now that say, I'm just here. I didn't really want to, I didn't really want to deal with anything today. I was just going, coming to church. Take away barriers of distraction, take away barriers of indifference. And Father, meet us just like you met that woman at the well. We know that you have a purpose, Father, and that you go to things as you intend to. And I just believe that there's some of you that are here today, and Jesus is like, I knew that you are gonna be here and I have you here for a specific purpose. And he wants to meet you today like he met that woman. So the first question that I just wanna ask, and I'm just gonna have you just to respond to the Lord, no one's looking around. I'm, I'm not even particularly gonna try and be paying attention to who's raising their hand and who's not, but um, I just wanna start kind of where I started the message today and maybe you're just realizing like I've been a little bit on pause mode lately and you're just hearing the Lord saying to you today that it's time for you to draw near, it's time for you to reignite your passion and your love. And today you just feel like you've been compelled by God to say, to step back in into the things that you've unintentionally pressed pause and went into inactivity on. And if that's you, I just wanna pray for you. Would you just lift your hand real, real quick as a way to respond to the Lord? Not to me necessarily, it's a way to respond to the Lord. Just lift your hand, go ahead right now. Anybody in the room? Thank you so much. I'm gonna pray for you in just a moment. The second question I wanna ask today is, this is a really big question, but do you need God's help with something today? Is there someone, is there something going on in your life right now that you have nowhere else to turn but to God? You need his help. It may be a problem, it may be a health concern, it may be a diagnosis, it may be something that you're really struggling through, it may be a big need. I just wanna pray for you as well. If you have something that you need God's help with today, would you just lift your hand where you're at? Just lift your hand, there's no shame, no fear, there's nothing stopping you from doing it. Just lift your hand because you're just gonna receive prayer today. Anybody else, you need help today? You need God's help today. Father, I just wanna pray for those two things. I wanna pray for those who are, are just hearing your call to say it's time to draw near again. It's time to reignite passion and love and mission in their life. I just pray that, Father, you would fill them up right now with your, with your love and compassion, but also fill them up with the things that you have for them in the days ahead. We just pray greater passion in all of us, especially for those asking for it right now. Greater passion, Lord, would you just increase it? Ignite our hearts to be set on you, 
For those, Father, that raised their hands saying they need help today, Lord, that's a wide question with a lot of things that only you are able to do anything about. And so I just wanna pray for any person in here that needs help today. Right now, Father, would they, would they just turn to you and they trust in you? So Lord, if there's anything that's hindering, um, even in their own heart, to just, to just step fully into your care right now, I pray that you would remove that. I pray, we pray that Father, absolute trust and, uh, and, and as we've said before, that you would just help us take a step away from fear and into, into obedience in this moment, Father. I just pray that you would help any person that needs help. And I, and I just want to say to you, if you raised your hand for that, we want to give you a second invitation in just a minute after we dismiss to come and receive prayer today. And I'll talk more about that in just a second. But before we finish, I can't do a message on mission and on the harvest and not invite anyone in the room into a relationship with Jesus. I believe that the most important decision that any person can make is the decision to follow Christ and to make him Lord of your life. I mean, it is what the whole Bible and the whole story of God is all about. It's about redeeming us as his people and bringing us into relationship. And if today you need to just get that right in your heart, you're tired of doubting, you're tired of wrestling with the question of you and God and how that is and have you done everything you need to do. If you just wanna get that right in your life and just say, I wanna surrender my life to God today. I want, I want to make it right. I want to help you do that. It's a choice, by the way. It's an internal choice to say yes to Jesus. And like I said, I believe God may have you here for this specific purpose and reason today. And so if you want to say yes to Jesus, you can just say a prayer. And you can just say this, say, Jesus, I give you my life. You can just whisper that prayer right now. Jesus, I give you my life. Just say that, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. And pray this, I, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. And just repeat this, I trust you from this day forward. I trust you from this day forward. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. No one looking around, I just wanna ask you to be real brave if you just prayed that prayer for the first time. I just wanna say a prayer for you as well. Would you just lift your hand if you prayed that prayer this morning? Just raise your hand if you just prayed that prayer. Father, we thank you for anybody that's just uh, prayed that prayer today. We just pray you seal this moment in their life. Salvation would be upon them and that, Father, they would have a new relationship with you. We just love you. We pray all these things in your name. And everybody said, amen. Can we just praise God for his goodness, his grace, his love, the things that he's doing in this place? Well, listen, if you need prayer today, I'm being serious. Don't leave this place without getting prayer. The last month we've been uh, having just an amazing time of seeing God move in prayer at the end of our services, seeing people... Uh, not only give their life to Christ, but um, you'd see miracles happen, healings happen, and just ministry. Sometimes it's not all big stuff. It's just like, I need help and I want prayer. And there's something powerful when we come together and we pray in unity for God to, uh, to, to just exercise his authority. And so we wanna invite you, before you leave today, just come and pray with us. Uh, we'd love to, to do that. And, and we'd love to see God move in your life. 
Well, we love you guys so much and we're so thankful. Um, if you have any questions or need anything, go to the information table. We'd love to talk with you. Also, our Get Involved card, you know about that. And then our meeting happening in about 15 minutes over in the OKC Community Auditorium uh, to talk about Cap City. So other than that, guys, we love you. I'll be hanging out right down here for anybody that needs prayer. So let's do that right now. Love you guys. See you. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.